the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi. Uh, hopefully, you're having a wonderful and blessed day and a blessed week. Uh, if you've been following us for the last uh, three or four weeks, uh, you would have noticed that uh, my emphasis has been on a very controversial topic uh, lately, uh, which has been on the news. Um, the topic is whether Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And as I um, mentioned uh, before, it really depends uh, how you ask this question and who are you asking this question uh, to. And at the same time, uh, uh, there is usually a defining line that we should not really compromise when it comes to the identity uh, about who God is. Uh, yes, I get it that uh, Muslims and even others uh, who are non-believers in the God of the Bible uh, have their own um, a theology or image or understanding of who God is, but that, that doesn't mean we, as believers uh, in the Word of God and believers in Christ, should compromise the truth. Uh, it's always good to meet them somewhere and build a bridge from there to get them to the truth rather than we ourselves uh, water down the truth uh, in order not to offend them. And that's very important, of course, especially when we are evangelizing the lost, and in this case, of course, uh, our Muslim friends. Yes, you are going to hear a lot of things that will resonate with what the Bible teaches, but still, uh, half-truth doesn't save, and we need to focus on the full truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ reminded the Samaritan woman in John 4 that we ought to worship God in spirit and truth, and that's very important. Well, I'm excited uh, to uh, uh, today because I have a dear brother in Christ, uh, a uh, former Muslim himself. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Dr. Fred Farouk, although he goes by Reverend Fred Farouk. Um, uh, he's definitely a dear brother who comes from a, an Iranian background, and uh, uh, at least that's his ancestry. And he became a believer in Christ in 1983, and uh, he's also an ordained missionary with Elam um, Fellowship, and currently serves as the international uh, an international trainer with Global Initiative, reaching Muslim peoples. And you can uh, visit that initiative on www.globalinitiativeinfo.com. Uh, Brother Fred, thank you for joining us. Great being here today. Well, uh, brother, as uh, you and I have been uh, dialoguing by email and uh, even by phone uh, related to the most recent uh, controversy that was uh, brought about uh, uh, by one professor, 
her name is Professor Larisha uh, uh, Hawkins in uh, Wheaton College. And uh, the issue was that uh, she uh, wore the hijab uh, in solidarity with Muslims, which in my view, at least I speak for myself, I didn't see anything wrong with that. But what caused the problem is when she posted on Facebook that she also uh, believes that the God of Islam and the God of the Bible are one and the same. At least uh, this is the gist of um, what was disclosed, which caused the college really to get into a um, uh, uh, a this controversy in handling uh, the situation and uh, dealing with it. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit uh, on this uh, just for a few m- seconds, maybe, because I want you to share your own testimony uh, right after that. Yes, um, obviously this has become a, a current controversy, but we see this question uh, keep arising. Uh, is the God of Islam the same God of the Bible? Do Christians and Muslims worship the same God? And um, like yourself, I came from a Muslim background, so I'm I'm looking at it not just from the point of view of Christians, or particularly Christians in America, but from the point of view of Muslims also. That's wonderful, brother. Uh, Before we dig deeper into this, um, why don't you uh, share with us a little bit uh, about your own personal journey to Christ, especially coming from a Muslim background? Yes, uh, my story is, um, I guess God has a sense of humor because I was born, my father uh, came to USA from Iran, and my mom is American. My mom uh, converted to Islam when she married my dad, but uh, I ended up being born in a Jewish hospital on Good Friday into a Muslim family. So if there was ever an alignment where a person should have been very ecumenically oriented, it probably was in my origination. And uh, when we were little, we moved back to Iran, and then after some time, when I was still very small, I don't remember living there, we ended up coming back to the States. And we had attended uh, masjid or mosque, and uh, even though my family was Shia, in the city where we're living, at that period of time, in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, there weren't so many Muslims in the U.S., and so we didn't have a Shiite mosque in the town we were living, so we actually attended the uh, masjid with the Sunnis. And uh, we weren't that religious. We have a variety of levels of piety and observance in our family. Uh, we went, we attended fairly sporadically, but we learned, uh, you know, the prayers for um, Salat, or as we say in Farsi, Namaz, and uh, that was a key element. And, um, you know, these were very good and hospitable and friendly Muslim people. Uh, not in any way radicalized or what we would call Salafist or, uh, you know, fundamental or radical Muslims by any means. And then, um, and it's kind of interesting, by the way, Fred, because uh, you're saying God has a sense of humor. I'm going to add to his sense of humor. You're speaking to someone from Saudi, and you know the relationship with Iran, who is yes. a radical Wahhabi. You know how we feel about Shia. And now That's we're right. both united in Christ. So praise God for that. Uh, so, brother, tell me then, uh, what was next? Uh, uh, what prompted you maybe to begin seeking or searching? What happened was, uh, at the time I went away to college, I was about 18 years of age, and I went to a different city from the one I was, where my parents were living. And um, like a lot of young people, I was going through a period of searching. Uh, you know, and by the providence of God, if we had stayed in Iran, most likely I would have been in the Asij Allah or the young pre um, the teenagers that were sent as minesweepers in the Iran-Iraq war, 
so I may not have even lived to the age uh, that it came to when I was about 18. I was going through a period of searching, what should I do for a living, what should I study, and so forth. And I started reading a lot of different material. And in that period, God was very, very merciful to me. Uh, I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go, and I was reading a lot of books on history and philosophy. And it just so happened I got a copy of the Bible. And uh, in reading the Bible, I discovered that Jesus Christ is not just a prophet like I was taught, but that, in fact, Jesus Christ is the one who can save us from our sins, which at the time, it was right where I was at, because I was, I was noticing that from the minute I wake up, from the minute to the time I go to sleep, all I think about is myself. And, you know, I remembered always, uh, as you very well know from Surah Fatiha, we would always pray, God, show us the straight way. And as I continue to explore the Bible, I see Jesus Christ is saying, I am the way. And, uh, you know, Muhammad was saying, you know, God, show us the way. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. And so in this period, in this process of about half a year, I fell in love with Jesus Christ, as he's described in the Bible. And I asked him into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Amen, brother. Amen. And then... um what happened right after uh, you accepted Jesus? Um, uh, did you face any uh, persecution from your family, uh, from the community, uh, anything of that nature? You know, uh, I didn't face significant persecution. We did have some uh, discussions, and of course, as you know, with, with Muslims uh, in general, if you accept the biblical idea that God visited the earth in the form of Jesus, and Jesus died for your sin. This is going to create some uh, significant friction, and and I had to deal with some of those type of things, but not uh, not being disowned, not being kicked out of the family like many Muslims are. I think there's a couple reasons for that. One is that um, Iranians in the U.S. they tended to be uh, not. Uh, what could we say, fundamentalist Muslims or, or Muslims that are uh, looking to have a very narrow view of religion or God and so forth. So uh, I was fortunate in that regard, but the, the bigger challenge for me was, uh, and I tell people this, when Muslims come to faith in the Lord Jesus, it can be a bittersweet experience. The sweetness is that no longer are you trying to pay for your sins by praying, fasting, making pilgrimage, and you just feel the wonderful relief that Jesus paid for your sins. But at the same time, very shortly thereafter, usually you realize that all your loved ones, all your family members, uh, they have not known the message of salvation in Jesus. They haven't believed it. So that can be a very bittersweet experience. And shortly thereafter, I sensed the call of God on my life to help establish the kingdom of God in the Muslim world. And so I've done uh, my best to try to help that come about. Amen, brother. And uh, tell us more about uh, just uh, your uh, current uh, uh, mission work, or maybe even how did you end up uh, uh, getting to this point uh, in your mission, um, uh, basically, involvement? Yes. Well, I've been, uh, I've had a lot of experiences in ministry to Muslims. We we served in the Middle East with Test 7 or Test 7, which at the time just had Arabic, but then uh, Farsi developed and also Turkish, Christian satellite TV programming. Uh, currently, I'm serving with a, a ministry uh, called Global Initiative, and primarily what we do is train uh, Christians from throughout the world. Uh, we're active in about 42 different countries, uh, and we help Christians and equip them to reach out to their Muslim neighbors, 
with the gospel, or they may send those Christians as missionaries into the Muslim world. And uh, so it's very exciting to see that in many of these countries in Latin America, Asia, Africa, uh, actually the people are very enthusiastic about Jesus. They want to see Muslims reached with the gospel. And in most cases, and this is refreshing, they don't have these misconceptions that uh, Westerners tend to have um, and uh, ecumenical uh, disruptive ideas that tend to undercut our witness to Muslims. Because if, if we believe Muslims already worshiping the same God and the right God, then why would we even need to minister to them or, or witness to them? So in these countries, we're seeing a tremendous um, excitement and passion to reach out to Muslims with the gospel. And of course now, you know, before, when I was 15, uh, the hostage crisis happened with Iran. At that time, that was 1979, most people never heard of Islam. Most people never heard of Muslims. Now, of course, everybody in the world has heard about Muslims and Islam. Amen, brother. Amen. You and I uh, are almost at the same age, brother, because uh, it was at that time uh, uh, when the Afghan-Russian uh, uh, war also uh, took off, and I wanted even to join jihadis at that time. And uh, it was at that time also that Iran-Iraq uh, war uh, uh, also uh, was taking place, where people began to hear about this tension between Sunni and Shia. Uh, it was the underlying, of course, um, uh, you know, foundation for all of that. Well, brother, uh, we are so blessed to have you here, and I know we can spend probably shows just talking about uh, uh, your story and your background, but uh, I would like to, at least in the remaining time of this show, to get into uh, this topic that we started with, uh, which is the question uh, whether Christians and uh, and Muslims worship the same God, and I just want to let my listeners know that uh, uh, Brother Fred uh, has also wrote an essay in the uh, Evangelical Missiological uh, Society um, uh, called, I think, the Occasional Bulletin, if I remember. And people can access it uh, by just Googling the title of his uh, essay. It's called The Question Underlying the Same God Question with Missiological Implications Thereof. Um, Brother, um, in in an interview with you uh, related to that, uh, you said the following. You said, if we conform our theology to a predetermined missiology, then we get the paradigm backward. Error will ensue, and we actually become incapable of missionally assisting those uh, whom we yearn to help, in this case, Muslims. Please elaborate a little bit on this. I think uh, that was the quote. They pulled a few quotes out on a Christianity Today article, and in that article, it showed the confusion of American missiologists. These are the people that are supposed to be teaching missionaries and seminaries and Bible schools, and you saw that there was no consensus on whether Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And uh, that particular article was talking about missions, but uh, our viewpoint, uh, and the point I was making was that we have to first start with our beliefs. And after we have our beliefs settled in our mind, then we can strategize and see how we can take a plan of action. So if, if, we, if we start with, for example, a lot of Americans, they realize that there's been these difficult relationships, say, with Iran or uh, history of uh, colonialism with Europe, and that there's been tensions, and now there's refugees, and, and people want harmony. They want Muslims and Christians to get along. And so uh, that's not a bad motivation, but then how do we fulfill that? Should we do it by changing our theology? Should we do it 
like us or appreciate us more, well, those of us from Muslim background will realize that even though the Christians are moving toward the Muslims in saying, well, we all worship the same God, and even that Muhammad could be considered a biblical prophet, at the same time, for those of us from the context, we realize the Muslim scholars are not moving toward the Christian scholars. And so uh, even Mahmoud Ayyub, who was uh, an American uh, and a Muslim scholar living in America, and uh, I didn't quote him in that article, but he does say, and he's considered a very moderate, he teaches at Hartford Seminary, he says, Muslims could not, in the Quran or later, understand or accept the idea that God could reveal himself in a human person, that is to say, Jesus Christ. And I can provide uh, quotations from his 2007 uh, article on that topic. The idea here is that uh, the theology, there is a, a, a firewall, if people are familiar with that term, theologically, between Islam and Christianity because of uh, the way Muhammad and the early Muslims set up the religion of Islam. So there's a theological barrier, and it comes down to who is Jesus Christ. And uh, if we look at some Native American religions or some other religions that I'm not even well-versed in, we could uh, maybe try to theorize that there could be significant common points in terms of even their deities, which, again, I'm just speaking hypothetically. I don't know those religious systems. But when you look at Islam, from the masjid, from mosque experience, from every Muslim child on up, we understand that under no circumstances does God incarnate himself, as we, of course, learned in Surah Ikhlas. And so he's not, he doesn't beget, he's not born into the world. This was a, a reaction uh, from Muhammad as he set up Islam in the Muslim community. He completely rejected the idea of the incarnation of Jesus. And so I think we have to respect that, even if we don't agree with it. And so to assert that Christians and Muslims worship the same God, it actually can become somewhat offensive to inform Muslims, because they know we worship Jesus, and they know they don't. Amen, brother. And uh, I, I like how you uh, brought it back, really, to the main point here. And uh, I, I loved one of, um, you know, your uh, bolded quotations in that essay where you said this, the question I pose to those who argue that Christians and Muslims worship the same God is, and then uh, you stated, since the Bible teaches that Jesus is God, and since Islam teaches that Jesus is not God, then how is it possible that Christians and Muslims worship the same God? And I love this, and I agree with you, brother, because really Jesus is the central point here. We believe as followers of Christ, that Jesus is God incarnate, and the Word became flesh. Islam adamantly and emphatically denies even the concept and the doctrine of the Trinity to begin with, and even got the nature of God wrong when it's stated in chapter 5 that uh, uh, they, they commit blasphemy, those who assert that Allah is Christ Jesus. In other words, uh, uh, you know, not even saying it correctly because we never say that God is Jesus. We say Jesus is God incarnate. Uh, yes. So God is didn't exist in His own nature as a human. Uh, no one said that. The Bible never taught that. So, so there is not only misunderstanding from the Quranic viewpoint, but also utter rejection of the divinity of Christ. And if you cannot reconcile that with a Muslim person. 
then really the question about whether we worship the same God is irrelevant, if you wish. Yes, you make you make an excellent point. And uh, again, people that are pushing for this idea of you know Christians and Muslims worship the same God, the the result of it, and this is where the missiology comes in, is that if we begin with the premise that Christians and Muslims worship the same God for one reason or another, that we think, well, there is only one God, so everybody must worship that one God. It's, it's really a fallacy. But if we begin with that premise, what we will see happen, and what we have seen happen, is that our glorious Lord Jesus Christ begins to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, he gets to the size of uh, the Islamic Jesus, who really, in Islam, Jesus forms takes on a role similar to John the Baptist's role in the Bible. In the Bible, John the Baptist, he, he announces someone is coming after him, and then John the Baptist diminishes and he kind of exits stage left. In, in, the, in the Islamic worldview, Jesus is a prominent prophet, but then he announces someone greater is coming after him, and he exits stage left. So um, if we accept this idea of the Islamic God of the uh, Quran, God of Islam being the same as the divinity of the Bible, then Jesus is going to disappear. And this is a this is a huge tragedy. It's an unmitigated tragedy for Christians. And of course, people don't see that at the beginning. They think, well, how can we get along better with Muslims? How can we have ecumenical, uh, you know, uh, dialogue or ways in which Muslims will like us? And, you know, uh, both of us have background in the Middle East, and I tell people, listen, Muslims like people with guts. Don't be ashamed of our beliefs. You know, they may not agree with your beliefs, but they'll they won't respect you if they know you worship Jesus as God and you believe in the Bible, and then you try to hide that or distort that or or obfuscate uh, our beliefs because they know what those beliefs are. And actually, these same controversies and these same discussions have been going on for about 1,400 years. And my own personal preference, and we may talk about it next week, is that uh, I would prefer Christians offer Muslims a clear choice rather than some kind of a mishmash where Islam and Christianity have been blended together in some confusing fashion. Better to offer the Muslims a clear choice. Either Jesus is God or he's only a prophet. There's really not a middle choice in that. Amen, brother. Well, uh, we're we're almost uh, uh, approaching the end of our show, and uh, uh, you know, as uh, my listeners can uh, hear, um, this is a very deep topic, and uh, we're enjoying our discussion here with our dear brother, um, uh, Doctor Fred Farouk. And um, uh, as you've heard him allude to the fact that he will be here next week, so I'm thankful for the fact that he's making time for us, because indeed there is uh, a lot of questions and a lot of issues that we have to wrestle with when it comes to this very important topic, uh, which is whether Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And uh, I can definitely resonate with our brother here, because I myself come from a Muslim background just like he comes from that background, and it's interesting, really, what uh, you mentioned, Fred, that uh, it seems like uh, the evangelicals lately, uh, and the missionaries in particular, for whatever reason, um, uh, in order to build a common bridge with Muslims, 
we have been watering down the gospel. And as you know, brother, there is a hot issue out there in addition to this question, and that's the insider movement, which I invested a lot of episodes talking about that. And maybe if time allows us next week, uh, you can uh, venture into that, uh, at least from the angle of how this concept of we worship the same God uh, plays into the hand of this movement, insider movement, and how both... Uh, can be damaging, actually, to the gospel. And in this case, really, if we love our Muslim people, we're actually loving them all the way to hell instead of loving them all the way to eternity. So thank you, brother, for uh, making the time uh, to be with us. And uh, uh, to the rest of my listeners, um, you've been uh, uh, listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and the topic for today uh, has been a continuation of the previous few weeks, which is the hot controversial question, do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? Obviously, there is more uh, to that question than meets the eye. And next week, we will have our dear brother Fred Farouk again with us uh, to continue to wrestle with this particular question. As always, you can uh, reach me by emailing me at Ministries in plural, Ministries at gmail.com. I'm your host, Al Fadi. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.